Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, it says this. Let's read it together. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Come on, let's say it again twice as loud. One time, ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And then out of the New Living Translation, it says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Can you say full of joy? Yeah, it's not just have joy, be full of joy, right? There's something about, do you have water in the glass or is it overflowing, right? Full of joy. Always be full of joy in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Lord, help us to rejoice in you the way that you've called us to, I pray, in the name of Jesus. And we all said amen today. You know, last week I started talking about a two-part, there's a two-part series that I'm doing just called Rejoy. Rejoy. I, didn't, I intentionally left off the words rejoice uh, or, or, or C-E at the end. And, and well, O-I-C-E at the end. It made it, re, it's rejoy, okay? Rejoy means you got to refill with joy in your life. We're supposed to have the joy of the Lord. You know, Christmas, the word joy or rejoice is all the time in Christmas carols and Christmas time that people talk about joy to the world, rejoice, rejoice. Well, what is the deal with joy and Christmas time? Well, joy is always associated with Jesus Christ being in your life. You can't have true joy unless you have true Jesus living on the inside of you. Remember Mary, Gabriel showed up to Mother Mary before she was Mother Mary and showed up to her, and the very first thing he said was rejoice, highly favored one. He showed up to the, they showed up to the wise men. Remember when the wise men, uh, they didn't show up to the wise men, they showed up to the shepherds, the, the angel did. But the wise men, when they saw the star, right, representing Jesus, the Bible says when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, right? Remember the, the shepherds, when the angel showed up in the shepherds, it says, that they, he said, I bring you tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, not just to the shepherds, but to all people. Why? Because there's something about Jesus coming into our lives that we should be full of joy. He didn't just want to give us salvation, though that would have been plenty. He wanted to give us joy, overflowing joy. Jesus to his disciples, remember he said, rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice because you're you're subject to the demons, or demons are subject to you, he said. But rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Remember Paul the Apostle, we just read it, said to the Philippian church, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Why this word rejoice so much? Because it's important for us not just to stumble through this Christian life and get to the end and go to heaven. He wants us to be full of it. Come on, you know you're full of something. Right? The person next to you is full of something. But he wants us to be full of joy, full of joy, full of joy, full of joy. Uh, remember, I gave that example that last week, uh, last week that before I'll go out of town, sometimes driving, I'll, I'll pull into that take five or one of those, you know, Valvoline oil check places. And if you do it up within the first uh, 3,000 miles, they will, uh, they will check your fluids for free and they'll check your transmission fluid and your wiper fluid and 
and you check your own gas, you know, but then they'll check your tire pressure and they'll say, okay, seems like everything's good. We've went ahead and topped it off. What are they saying? They're saying, we've checked your fluids and your fluids are all topped off. But do you know that if we're going to walk in the spirit, we should check the levels of our love, of our joy, of our peace, of our love. Before we get out in the day, we should be checking our fluids and say, okay, we're good to go. In fact, don't subject other people with you if, you're not, if your fluids aren't topped off, if your joy is not topped off. Don't walk out of the house with a bad attitude in the morning and just because you're ticked off and your joy is bad that you're going to make someone else's life bad, right? Top off your joy. Somebody say amen. Top off your joy. It's important to be full of joy. Come on, just say, I'm full of it. I'm full of joy. I'm full of the joy of the Lord. And uh, I gave you three things to check your joy levels last week. And it was number one, do you enjoy life? Do you enjoy life? Do you enjoy life? Number two was, do people enjoy being around you? Or are you humdrum? Right? And number three is, how's your strength? How's your strength? Are you wearing out all the time? Because the Bible says in Nehemiah 8:10, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? We need, to, we need to learn to walk in joy. So Philippians 4:4, always be full of joy. Say it with me. Always be full of joy in the Lord, I say again, rejoice. Listen, if we're, if, if we're told to be full of joy, then joy must be a choice. I said if we're told to be full of joy, then joy must be a choice. Uh, if you're not full of joy, it's your choice. I said, if you're not full of joy, how are you? This, uh, how do you feel today? Well, it's not how you feel. It's how are you allowing joy to come out of you? If you're not full of joy, it's your choice. See, you have to choose joy. The bo- in the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says in verse 16, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the the lust of the flesh. Well, he wouldn't tell you to walk in the Spirit if it wasn't your choice, right? He's not going to tell you, be be a giraffe. Well, you can't be a giraffe. Or or if you're a guy, be a girl. Or if you're a girl, be a guy. No, he's not going to tell you something that wasn't your choice, right? He's going to say, he says, walk in the Spirit. He's saying something that you can do. When the Bible says forgive, he's telling you something that you have the ability to do. If we're not walking in the Spirit, then it's, it's our choice. Well, then he goes on and he says uh, in verse uh, 22 of the same chapter, when he says walk in the Spirit, he says the fruit of the Spirit, see this is how to walk in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is nine things, love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, self-control, right? Against such there is no law. When you were born again, you, the attributes of your Spirit you, you carry those attributes on the inside. Just like when you were born physically, you have two arms, two legs, two ears, a mouth, a nose, right? You have those things. When your spirit was born again on the inside, you have love. You have joy. But just because you have those things doesn't mean that you walk in those things, right? Just because you have the spirit doesn't mean that you walk in the spirit. Just because you have joy doesn't mean you walk in joy. How many would admit today that you could, you could choose to walk in some more joy in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a few of us in here. Okay. I know that that's a lot of us in here. We can walk in more joy. Just because you've refueled your car last week doesn't mean you don't need to refuel it again this week. You walk into a, a restaurant and they have the fountain drinks, right? Just because your drink is low doesn't mean you don't need to go get a refill. 
And just because your joys run out doesn't mean you don't need to get a refill of joy. So how do I choose joy? Well, it's important to know that joy isn't the result of what happens to you. Joy is your response to it. Because if you think that joy is a result of what happens to you, then you'll say, I either have a reason to have joy and, or happiness or I, or I don't. But joy is something that we can choose how we respond to what happens to us. Remember Jesus in um, Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible says, looking unto Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus endured stripes, whipping, torture, crucifixion. And the Bible says that who for the joy that was for him, before him endured the cross. Paul. Remember Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. I, man, I love this scripture. Jesus and Paul, I think, are two of, two of the greatest examples, of course, Jesus, but two of the greatest examples in the New Testament that we could, we could look at. But look at Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. Out of the New Living Translation, it says, in everything we do, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. He says, in everything we do, make sure it's up here, yeah. It says, we Everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endured troubles. Can you say troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind? Look at this. We've been beaten. We've been put in prison. We've faced angry mobs. We've worked to exhaustion. We've endured sleepless nights. We've gone without food. Come on, somebody. Is that a reason to not have joy in your life? Well... You know, but Paul's saying we've gone without food. We've proven ourselves with purity and our understanding. Verse 7, it says, we faithfully preach the truth, God's power working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness at the right hand for attack and the left hand for defense. Look at verse uh, 8. It says, we serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. What do we do? We choose to serve the Lord, right? He says, we're honest but they call us imposters. Man, these guys, I, it feels like everything you're, everything, you talk about a victim, this guy should have had a victim mentality, right? He says, we're preaching the truth, we're loving people, we're giving the things away, and they're saying, imposters. It says, we're ignored, though we're well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we're not killed. Look at verse 10. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. <laughs> I don't care how bad you have it. You don't have it that bad. Come on, somebody. I don't care how bad you have it. You don't have it as bad as he had it. And he says, our hearts ache. Man, I'm suffering. I'm crying. What's on the inside? Joy. Can't take my joy away. He says, we're poor, We have, but we, we give spiritual riches to others. We own, own nothing, and yet we have everything. That's why he can say to the Philippians, be full of joy in all things. And again, I say rejoice. Well, how can you stay full of joy? Joy comes from your perspective. You can't change the outlook. You can't change the things that happen to you, but you can change the way you view those things, your outlook, your perspective, the way that you see it. See, some people see life as against them. Some people see that's just the way they are. That's just the way it is. And they always are grumpy. And they always have a bad attitude. And they feel like the world is, is turned upside down. Everyone's against them. That's just their perspective. 
But do you know you can choose to see things the opposite way and it'll change what's going on on the inside? The, the Isaiah up here, Isaiah, arise, shine for your light has come in the glory of the Lord. That's, that's been our chapter this year. But arise, shine, I want to read this to you. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Can you say you? He says, behold, what does the word behold mean? It means check it out, look. Behold, look, see that darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people. But what you're beholding is that the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. He's saying, how do you see the darkness of this world? How do you see all the stuff and you go, oh, our world's going down. Oh, people are just so, it's worse than ever before. You turn on the news, you see the perspective, oh, these people, oh, this situation, oh, the crime rates, oh, the division, oh, that. see, you're seeing life, but what he says is, behold, darkness is covering the earth and deep darkness to people, but behold, the Lord's arising on you, and his glory will be seen upon you. How are we supposed to see it? We're supposed to see it that I don't care how deep and dark the world is. I don't care if a, like Psalm 91 says, a thousand falls at my side and 10,000 at my right hand. It won't come near me. Why? Because I see things different. See, the joy comes from your perspective. Do you see yourself as a victim? Do you see yourself as everyone, everything's against me? It's just a bad day. Don't leave the house that way. You're not only going to jack your day up, you're going to jack someone else's day up, right? Get full of joy before, top off your joy before you walk out. He says, behold, darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness of people, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. It doesn't matter what's happening out there. The Lord's arising on you and his glory will be seen on you and the Gentiles will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Look at verse four. It says, read this with me. Lift up your eyes all around and, and do what? Come on, and do what? See, lift up your eyes and see. What is he saying? Get your eyes off of all the mess and junk that's going on and see things from God's perspective. See that God is rising on you. He says, and they, they gather together and they come to you. Your sons come from afar and your daughters will be nursed to your side. Listen, then, notice then. When you see things the way that God sees things, look at then you shall see and become radiant. When he says arise, shine, how do you shine? You see things different. How do you shine? You don't see the world turned against you. The world may be against you, but God's for you. And if God be for me, who can be against me? What does it even matter? See, it's our perspective. It's our outlook. It's the way that we see. Somebody needs to catch this today because this is turnaround in your life. He says, then you shall see and become radiant and your heart shall swell with joy. Your heart just doesn't catch joy. He's saying when you see things different, your heart will be filled with joy. See, a lot of times we can't, we can't get the joy because we see ourselves as underneath. We see ourselves as, well, we're just, we're jump, jump. I'm only human. No, you're not. You're filled with the Holy Spirit of God. You're, born, you're a born-again, blood-bought, child of God, believer of God. You cannot fail. Why? Because God's on your side. Somebody say amen today. See, and he says, then you shall see and become radiant. 
what, what's radiant? On the outside, something's going to change. Your countenance is going to change. Well, it says it two times in, in the book of Psalm. It says, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Why do you look so gloomy today? Why can't you put a smile on your face? Because you're hoping in you instead of God. Because you're hoping in the world instead of God. Because you're hoping in the news instead of God. Because you're hoping in the political system instead of God. So what should we do? When you, it says that you shall see and become radiant. Something changes on the outside and your heart, something changes on the inside, shall swell with joy. When, you be, when do you begin to shine? When do you begin to fill up with joy? When you see things different. When your perspective is different. When you see things the right way, when your perspective and outlook is right, your outside will change and your inside will be filled with joy. Somebody needs that today. The book of James, chapter 1, James was a half-brother of Jesus. And, uh, and James writes here, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he says here, my brethren, <laughs> I, used to not, I used to not like this verse because I didn't really understand it. He says, my brethren, count it all joy. Chalk it up to joy when you fall into various trials. How many like to fall down? If you do, I'm going to pray for you. Okay, today. How many like it when you mess up, when you make mistakes? No, but he says, but instead of being frustrated or embarrassed, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing, what is that? It's perspective. It's the way you see things. Knowing that when you fall, it's the testing of your faith, and the testing of your faith produces patience, but let have patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is he saying? He's saying when you fall, count that joy when you, count it joy when you lose, when you mess up, when you make a mistake. Count it all joy. Chalk it up to joy. Not chalk it up to life sucks. Everyone's against me. They just don't love me. They don't see me for my worth and my value. No, what does he say? Count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing, keeping in mind, seeing it this way, your perspective, how you see it, that the testing of your faith. See, when you fall, here's what's happening. Your faith's being tested. I don't care if you're 10 years old in here or if you're 90 years old in here. I don't care if you're a man or a woman or black or white. I don't care if you're rich or poor. When you fall, your faith is being tested. And what is he saying? He's saying it's a good thing that you knew your faith is being tested because when you fall, you've learned your capacity. When you've fallen, you've learned your weakness in an area. When you've fallen, you've identified where you're weak. When you've fallen, you've identified where, you're, where, where you need to grow and where your strength is. See, when you've fallen, it's good that you've fallen. God creates people as little bitty babies, human beings, that they start walking at age one or two years old, they start walking really while they're, fall, while, they're, while they're low to the ground. Because when they fall, they can just hit the ground, you know, a foot off, and then they have that big old droopy diaper, right? And the diaper just, they barely even feel it, and then they just get back up. <laughs> but what if you had to learn to walk as tall as you are, right? It would hurt a lot more. But he's saying, count it all joy when you fall because you're knowing the areas that you need to improve in. You're knowing the areas that you, it's testing your faith and you're learning where your capacity is, where your weakness is. It produces patience. It's testing your perseverance. It's testing your endurance. 
your ability to stand under pressure. That's what it is. When you create a product, if you're going to create a product, you want to test its capability and its capacity. The testing of the capability, they call it beta testing a lot of times. The testing of the beta, uh, of, of the, the capability of the product that you've created, it's not bad when it fails. In fact, you're glad it failed because you caught the weakness before you put it out to the public. Anybody know what I mean? Do you know your falling is catching your weakness before you go out to the public? Sometimes we look at it like, oh, why am I failing? Why is this so bad? Oh, no, it's good. Not a lot of people saw you fall. In fact, do you ever see, do you ever walk along and you fall and you tripped and what's the first thing you do? <laughs> you look around because the problem wasn't whether you skinned your knee. The problem was whether anybody saw it, right? Because you look so stupid when you did it. He's saying, be happy when you fall because you learned that there's uh, th something you need to step over right there and next time you hit it, people are going to be around and you're just like, yeah, I knew that was right there. See, the testing of your faith... The falling produced an awareness to a weakness. The falling produced an awareness to something you need to strengthen in your life. You learn far more from failure than you do from success. I said you learn far more from failure than you learn from success. See, success allows you to just celebrate and kind of move on. But failure allows you to go back and look at what happened so that you can strengthen the weaknesses so that next time it happens, right? If I fall the first time, it's, it, it may be some, not my fault, someone else's fault. If I fall the second time, it's my fault. Why? Because I didn't correct what it is. So count it all joy, right? Count it all joy when you fall. Why you've discovered your capacity. When you've discovered your capacity, you've determined what you need to focus on. So when you've discovered your weaknesses, you've discovered the areas you need to focus in life. It takes humility to be able to see it that way. But he's saying, count it all joy, your face being tested. More importantly, where you need to grow. He says in uh, James 1, 2 and 4, the same, the same verse here in New Living Translation, it says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. He says, uh, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What is he saying? He's saying, if you can use your failures as opportunities to see your weaknesses and lack of capacity in areas, you'll begin to focus on those. And if you'll fail enough, you'll strengthen those areas that need strengthening and you'll be perfect and complete lacking nothing. So your failure, the opportunity that God gave you to fail, let me say it again, the opportunity that God gave you to fail shows you where you need to grow. So what do you do? You count it all joy. When I fell down, it's not whether people saw me. It's, it's what do I need to do so that next time I don't fail in that area. And if you're humble enough, you'll be able to use failure as an opportunity to strengthen your capacity so that you can become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So what do we do when we fall? We count it all, oh, I'm glad I saw that. 
Oh, I'm glad I failed and tripped right now because I'd rather trip alone than fall in front of everybody else. Somebody say amen today. Joy comes from how you see things, your perspective. Then you shall see and become radiant. Well, how do you stay full of joy? I'm going to give you quickly these four points. How do you stay full of joy? Four joy refills. Four joy refills. How do you top off your fluids? Number one, what are you feeding on? What are you feeding on? Write down the scripture, Philippians 4.8. Brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report. I don't think the news makes money by good reports. I don't think, um, you know, dicey conversations and, and interesting conversations are built upon good news. Oh, guess what happened? He's always got good news, right? But he says, whatever things are good, report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. What are you feeding on? The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will keep you, will be with you. Make sure that your insides, that your mind is feeding on good things, praiseworthy things. See the glass half full. See, be optimistic. Even if you think, well, I'm just pessimistic. Well, you choose to be. Because faith thinks optimistically. Faith thinks this way. Nothing's impossible to God. That's the way faith thinks. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues. And one version says, the forces of life. Do you know joy is a force in life? Let the force be with you, right? It's a force in life. It's an issue of life. And out of your heart spring the issues of life. I think we could say today as being born again, out of your heart flows the fruit of the Spirit. So keep your heart with all diligence. How do you walk in the Spirit? By flowing in, in, in love and joy and peace. In fact, I think it would just be a good thing to say every day, I walk in love. I walk in joy. I walk in peace. I walk in long-suffering. I walk in patience. I walk in kindness. I walk in goodness. I walk in self-control. Somebody say amen today. Yes. James said, count it all joy. You can feed on something or get depressed about something. You can get angry about something. You can get whatever you're feeding on. You can, you can put on that, you know, someone broke up with you. You could put on that music. And you just sit there, oh, I just remember, look at the pictures. Oh, I remember when we were together. Oh, that ain't going to get you no joy. No, you better feed on the future. You better feed on God's plan for your life. I remember the good old days. No, the good old days are gone. The good old days, here's the way I look at it. The good old days are today. The good old days are tomorrow. The good old days are what is happening and what God has planned for me. I'm not going to feed on the past. I'm going to feed on what God has for me. Here's how you know if you're feeding on the right thing. Does it bring you joy or does it bring you regret? Feed on what God has. Feed on something. At least I've learned my breaking point. You might, you know, feed on. At least I, at least I didn't marry them. There's always, there's always a good thing that you can feed on, right? Hey, bro, at least I didn't learn, at least I learned their true colors, right? Someone gets frustrated at you in an interaction, you know, maybe at the store or something. You say, at least I don't have to work with them. There's always a, something good. Feed on good things. Have a good perspective. Amen? Yeah, feed on good things. 
There's always something good to feed on. Number two is this, what are you saying? Number two, number one is what are you feeding on? What are you thinking about? How are you uh, uh, seeing things? But number two is what are you saying? What is coming out of those lips that's right in front of you? See, it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23, a man has joy by the answer of his mouth. In other words, your joy comes from your mouth. Your joy doesn't come from someone else's mouth. It comes from your mouth. A man has joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season how good it is. When you blow up at a person, it doesn't bring you joy. You may feel justified, but you go home and it doesn't bring you joy. When you didn't react to a situation, someone cut you off on the freeway and you flipped them off and told them what, where they ought to go, right? Now, I know Christians wouldn't do that. <laughs> I've had a couple Christians do that to me. <laughs> but that doesn't bring you joy on the inside. Why? Because your response brings you joy. A man has joy by the answer or by the response of his tongue. The way you speak, the way you talk will either bring you joy, it'll either bring you up, or it'll bring you down. If you talk down, it'll bring you down. If you talk up, it'll bring you up. And I'm telling you, you may think that talking down helps push down someone else and elevate you, but your talking down actually pulls you down. Your candle cannot shine brighter by putting out someone else's. You putting someone else down does not lift you up. You putting someone else down and putting a situation down and talking negative and talking junk out of your mouth will only pull you down. If you talk up, your joy level will be up. There's always something you can complain about. But talk the good, the good part of it, the good, the good side of it. I remember hearing about a guy that everything he said, always, never, ever, 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 ever had a negative word to say. And I remember there was this guy that someone asked him about, and this guy, uh, I mean, he was a, a he, he had been in and out of jail, in and out of prison. I mean, he had stolen, he had abused, he had, had done things that were just horribly wrong. You couldn't even think of a good thing about this guy. And they asked him, say, what do you think about him? And this guy that always had a good perspective, he said, well, he did have good-looking eyes. <laughs> See, there's always some, maybe you have to think about it for a little bit, but there's always something good you could say about the person or about the situation. Somebody say amen. Number three, who are you associating with? Who are you around? Who are you associating with? 1 Corinthians 15, says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company, the word company in the Greek is the word homilia, it means companionship or, com uh, companionship or company or communication. Evil com communication will corrupt you. You become who you're around. Negative people that you're around, you become negative. Judgmental people that you're around, you become judgmental. Positive people you're around, you become positive. I remember I had a friend years ago, and he... Uh, there was a situation, didn't really know what to do, and he goes, well, it is what it is. And I thought, huh, I never heard that before. This was years ago. Never heard that before. But then I'd hear him say it a few times, well, it is what it is. It is what it is. And then something had happened, and they'd go, yeah, it is what it is. And I remember thinking, you know, that's kind of a good perspective. But then I thought, but this sounds negative. 
And then I started saying it. Well, it is what it is. And then I started saying it about the situation. Well, I guess it is what it is. Well, I guess like, well, I guess it just is what it is. And I found myself starting being negative because of the way I said it. Well, it is what it is, right? And I noticed that on the inside, I didn't have as much joy about being around people. Why? Because it is what it is. They are who they are. Whatever may be, may be, right? Whatever. You ever heard the term? You ever heard the term or used the term? Whatever. Hey, how do you feel about that? Whatever. Well, whatever. Yeah, that response will not bring you joy. God never has a whatever attitude. God never said, you say, God, what's your will? <laughs> whatever, whatever the heck you want to do, you're going to do it anyway. Does God ever have that? No. Neither should you. Neither should I. Whatever, whatever, whatever it is, it is, it is what it is. That's just how people are. That's just how people are. See, a man shall have joy by what comes out of their mouth. You're not going to get joy that way. You might like uh, a certain commentator or a book or a radio host or, or a TV commentator, and you go, I like the way they think because they're critical thinkers. Or I like the way they think. Well, maybe you like the way they think, but that, their thinking is not going to bring you joy. You should like the way God thinks. You should talk the way that God talks. In fact, you can feed on people that think your dark side. You know what I'm talking about? They think your dark side, and they talk that way, and they go, he says things that I would only think. Well, maybe if you keep listening to him, let's see how your joy levels do on the inside. Well, it brings me happiness, you know. It could bring you happiness, but you just have to watch that their perspective is what's pouring over on you. Their outlook on life is what's jacking you up, is what's messing you up. It's important. Don't hang around negative people. Don't hang around judgment, judgmental people. Hang around people who speak the word of God and speak like the word of God. What does Psalm chapter 1 say? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You can have a Christian that talk ungodly. Walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, hangs out at the bar, hangs out at lunchtime, hangs out around them, chats with them, talks back and forth, becomes critical of people. He's saying, blessed is the man who doesn't listen to those things, who puts those things far away from them. It says, but his delight, the one who's blessed, is in the law of the Lord, in the word of God. And in his law he meditates day, say day and night. That means morning, noon, and night. In his law, he meditates day and night. He'll be like the tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth fruit. Well, didn't the Bible say that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, you know, and we should walk in the Spirit in the same chapter in Galatians chapter 5? Be around. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and he'll bring forth fruit in its season. How do we bring forth the fruit of the Spirit in our lives? We walk in the word of God. We meditate in the word of God. We're around people that talk the word. If you're around people who talk trash, you'll talk trash. You'll think trash. Your perspective will be trash. And it'll be really hard to have joy on the inside that God's called you to walk in. He says, and his leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. You want to have prosperity? 
You want to have blessing? You want to have fruitfulness? You want to have joy on the inside? Then don't hang around people who talk trash. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how much money they own or make. I don't care how many businesses they own. I don't care how much they are up in life. If they talk trash, they're talking death to you. Because yours and my perspective has to be full of the spirit of joy. Our leaf shall not wither, and whatever we do shall prosper. And then number four is this. Number four, last one, is how are you serving others? Talking about joy refills today. How are you serving others? If your life is all about serving you, how much you have in your bank account, how much property you own, how out of debt you become. I've even seen people get into, you know, financial peace university and their life becomes all about, oh, I got to be this and I got to be that. And, and I understand that. I believe you got to be a good steward and be frugal. But it becomes everything about, I have to make sure that I'm up and I'm on top. And they forget about loving other people because it messed up their financial plan. But in the book of Acts, it says, verse, chapter 20, verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak. He says in the book of Galatians, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our lives should not be about fulfilling ourselves and our own desires. If it is, you're going to be a Scrooge. You're not going to have joy. He says, and remember the words, we're still in Acts 20, 35, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. We don't know where that was. It wasn't recorded in the gospel, but he remembered them. He said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, say this with me, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say it again, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's why you have people who are multimillionaires and billionaires who open up philanthropy and they're trying to give. What are they trying to do? Well, I know that there's tax reasons, but there's more than that. They realize that their life is, they have to have an effect on someone else. There's something about joy. There's joy that you have in giving that you won't find anywhere else. Christmas is about giving, not getting, right? Meeting someone else's needs over meeting your needs. As you get older, you get more mature. It becomes less about your needs being met. I know when I think of Christmas or Christmas presents, and it's been like that for years, when I think of Christmas and Christmas presents, I'm thinking about the people that I got Christmas presents for. How are they? You know, they'll go to open up their gift. I'm like, oh, that's great. And they say, what about your gift? And I'm thinking, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Yeah, open up my gift. But really, the, the big joy, come on, how many would say, the big joy you have is in seeing others blessed. The big joy you have is seeing others prosper, seeing others' needs met. Why? Because when you realize in your life that your needs are already met, I'm not just talking financially. I'm talking about God's taking care of every area of your life, and he, take, he takes good care of you. When you realize that God takes care of you, it brings you joy to take care of somebody else. It's more blessed to give than to receive. The greatest industry in the world is the service industry the healthcare professionals, the, the doctors, the, the people that, the nurses, the people that, um, the social workers, the counselors, the people that are bending down low to help other people. And I think that could, that could actually be in every single area of life, you know, not just those areas. See whatever God's called you to do, the, the profession that you have, the, the joy 
See the joy of serving others in it. Even if you're a student and you have your teachers, ah, oh, those teachers, da, 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 da. No, those teachers are there to serve you. Serve them by doing what they ask you to do. Tell them how much you appreciate them. Well, I don't. They gave me a bad, no, no, no. No, tell them how much you appreciate them. They don't have to be there. Your bosses, tell them how much you appreciate them serving you. Coworkers, tell them how much you appreciate them. Your family members, we treat the people close to us sometimes the worst because we just, they become common. Common's the opposite is holy. We treat them unholy because they're, ah, they're going to be there all the time. The people that are closest to you this week, this week, stop and thank them. Shoot them a text. Tell them, I appreciate you. Hey, during Christmas season, I wanted to just stop and tell you how much I appreciate you. Is there anything you can do? It's better to give than to receive. And I'll tell you what will happen. Your heart will swell with joy. Because you realize you had an effect on somebody else. You had an effect on someone else. What are you feeding on? What are you saying? Who are you associating with? And who are you serving? Would you close your eyes? Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, I come. We come to you today and we open our hearts and we say, fill us with joy. Would you pray that prayer with me? Fill me with joy today. During this Christmas season, let it not just be about the gifts and the presents and the lights and the decorations and the, the music. But Lord, let it be about you and the joy that you've given us. The joy that was set before you. That's that we can sit here today and worship Jesus without persecution. That we can sit here today and worship you and come into your presence freely. Because that was the joy that was set before you. So we love you today. We love you today. We receive your joy today. In Jesus' name. Help me to feed on the word of God. Would you say that today? Help me to feed on your word. Help me to speak good things, Lord. Help me to see things the way you see them. Surround me with people, Lord. God, show me people that I'm not supposed to be listening to. And help me to serve others the way that you serve. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.